You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I don't think I'm going to have a, a, a problem with this team keeping them engaged. Uh, this team's hungry. This team approached last week really well, approached today really well. Uh, these guys want to get this right. They're going to give us everything they have to get it right. Uh, we hope we still have three games, three opportunities. Uh, we need it as a football team. We're young in a lot of places. Uh, we didn't get bowl practice last year. We didn't get spring ball. We had a lot of non-padded practices, a ton of non-padded practices, but very few real fall camp type of practices. So we need opportunities to practice. We need opportunities to play games to really get the improvement we need. We're just playing for our pride, you know. You put in all this work all season, and there's no way, there's no need to hang your head down because the season ain't going as the way we want it to go. But it's, it's about grit. It's about wanting to win the rest of the season, that, that stuff. That stuff's in the past. All we have now is Purdue this week, and we have to make the most of it. And uh, our guys are going to come out with, with fire and intensity this week to get it done. And that's that's what culture is. That's what the desire to win is. And, and we're going to come with that type of attitude uh, this week because we have to. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we get you ready for Saturday's 11 a.m. game, and um, it, they've all been at 11 other than the Iowa game at noon in West Lafayette at the BTN game this week. Welcome to the Husker Online Show. As you heard, tough week. Nebraska lost 26-20 at Iowa. They were right there, had the ball with a chance to maybe win the game um, in the final minute and uh, fumbled the ball away. And now it's kind of led to that question, Robin. What are you playing for at this point? you got the potential of three games remaining, Purdue this week, maybe Minnesota, Maybe a week eight surprise, depending on what the Big Ten does if Michigan and Minnesota don't play. And then week nine, we still don't know um, what that's going to bring. So uh, regardless, you still have an opportunity to possibly go four and four as a team. And there's a lot to play for. And you heard Scott Frost say that. And I, I know they're not playing for a Big Ten title game spot, but there's still a lot out there that can be accomplished these final few weeks. Well, and if nothing else, you just break it down to an individual uh, point where for you know some of these guys who uh, won't be coming back if they're seniors or whatever it may be, this Saturday could be their last opportunity to put a game on film. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the rest of the season if games get canceled that go beyond their control or whatever it may be. Uh, I mean, you just got to take every opportunity as if this is your, this is your last chance this season. And how do you want this thing to end? Uh, right now, it's about pride uh, from a bowl perspective or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. You, you take all that stuff kind of with, with a grain of salt because uh, really all that matters right now is, you know, how this team responds, not only game to game, but play to play. Can they put together a full four quarter game and play with, you know, the level of focus and energy that they did against Iowa and then find a way to actually make the winning plays when it counts. And until that happens, they're going to continue to be stuck in neutral. So that's I think that's the number one thing is, uh, you know, how how much pride do you have as individual players to you know like I said make the most of this possibly being one of well, maybe only a handful of opportunities you have left if, if not the last you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robin Washhead and yeah that's what we don't know and Robin I think they're going to play week eight Let, let's get right I don't think that game I think what's going to happen if Minnesota and Michigan don't play next week as well which for both programs it'd be Minnesota's third in a row Michigan's second in a row they're going to move earth and water to get Ohio State a game. Mm -hmm. And I think the scenario that you're going to probably see play out is this. Rutgers and Maryland play week eight. You'll see 
Rutgers probably play Nebraska in that situation, and Maryland would get their game back that they lost against Ohio State. Then week nine, Maryland and Rutgers could play each other in that week because the league is going to make Wisconsin and Minnesota play week nine. That's I think that's – I don't want to say it's a done deal, but I think that's almost a done deal. And so if you do a west-on-west week nine, you're going to have to have one east-on-east. So I think there's a lot of flexibility with that. And then that would leave Nebraska maybe week nine against Michigan or Michigan State. I think it really actually lines up when you look at how this could fall out for week nine if that Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State week eight happens. You'd have Minnesota, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Maryland in those two games. The championship game would be Ohio State, Northwestern. Indiana would play Iowa. Then you would have Nebraska and Purdue play Michigan and Michigan State. There'd be some mix right there. And then you would have Illinois play Penn State. I mean, that's good that there seems to be some pretty clear paths to getting this thing done. I hope that it happens. <laughs> I hope that they find a way to play uh, through the rest of the season. It's just, you know, the recent events with, you know, so many games getting canceled and all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's discouraging to say the least. But we're going to get a game this weekend. That's yeah, all that matters. And again, and so that as far as your Nebraska is concerned, Saturday is the only thing that matters because, like I said, this you know you, you have no idea what the future is going to hold. The one thing that uh, you presumably do know is that you're going to play Purdue on Saturday. Now, what are you going to do to make the most of this particular opportunity in front of you? You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we get you ready for this game with Purdue and you know against Iowa, Nebraska, and we'll get more into the specific offensive and defensive stuff in our next two segments. Um, but, you know, they went with the two-quarterback system. Uh, I think the good news is this week you'll see Diedrich Mills probably back. I mean, that's I know Scott Frost said yeah, that on fingers Thursday. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but I know he's practiced. Austin Allen's practiced. Uh, Ronald Tompkins expected to travel. So there there is a lot of guys coming back this week that should help the offense. And they haven't had, you know, the full complement of running backs in a while. I mean, since the first quarter of the Penn State game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, the people are kind of looking to – why that position has been so ineffective and that's a big part of it is they've gone through basically four guys and haven't had anybody stay healthy but getting Diedrich Mills back I mean we talked all off season about how uh, important he was to this offense with his experience with the way that he ended last season uh, and he was kind of the one known commodity on this offense full of question marks and for whatever reason I mean he was getting in the end zone but the yardage just was not there and a lot of it was you know, I just don't know if he got the uh, opportunities enough early because he's one of those guys that gets better as the game rolls on. And so, you know, if he's healthy, I'd like to see Nebraska stick to, you know, more of a conventional run game and, you know, maintain it over the course of a full game to where come fourth quarter, that's when those big runs start to pop with a runner like like he is. I kind of think Mills will come back next year too. I mean, I – I mean, what has he shown, Robin, to, to go pro? Nothing. Like, so if he if you want to go pro, you got to come back, uh, because I think if you go out now on Mills, you're going to get undrafted. And how hard is it as an undrafted free agent to get carries? Mm-hmm. Pretty dang hard. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, you thought with the way that last season ended, you know, he was going to have a real opportunity this year to potentially be a thousand yard back. Well, uh, this year has been a total disaster for him in particular. Just the fact that. He hasn't gotten on the field, and when he has been on the field, he hasn't gotten nearly enough opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if, if that is his end goal and he feels up to the task, that is the perfect right decision for him to come back. And I think more guys will come back than you think. If if you look at it like this, mini camps and early stuff for NFL that uh, you know that rookies and things take part, players take part in, 
they're probably going to be just like they were last year, which was not good. I mean, there was no contact, very limited work done. Um, so if you are a fringe guy, that's a maybe not a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Odds are against you because you know you're not you're going to make contact or do much in some of these OTAs and workouts with COVID until we're we're fully behind. You know, everything's fully behind us and. I think you're being awfully optimistic if you think come mini camp season and OTA season that's going to be behind us in the NFL. Yeah, and so if you don't have the game feel or game film, you better be, you know, workout warrior who's running, you know, uh, you know, record 40s and doing all that stuff. And I just don't think Nebraska has any of those guys. And none that's where draft picks will be yeah, protected. Exactly. And so none none of these players have anything on film that is going to uh, suggest you know they're they're ready to, to make that jump now. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that kind of look at their uh, individual situations and say coming back for another year uh, is not only you know the right call for Nebraska, but the right call for them themselves with their individual profiles. I think Hymas will go, and I think Deontay Williams will probably go. And those are the two I'm most confident in. I think the rest, it's up in the air. Yeah, and Hymas already got an all-star game invite, right? Senior bowlers. Yeah, I believe so. Well, well, the other all-star games aren't even going to happen, like the East-West type game. That's not happening. So, But, I mean, that just shows you kind of where I mean, he's being perceived on a national level. I mean, if you get an invite to those types of games, you're on the radar. And so I think that is, separates him from most anybody else uh, that would be draft eligible. Is you know, he's, he's the one guy that has shown enough – on film and has the stock that's already there that he won't have to go and try to work his way up the ladder come the offseason. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more offensive storylines as Nebraska gets ready to travel to Purdue. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, we need to get it fixed. So we're going to get as much help, as many ideas as we can to get it fixed. He's too good a player not to have on the field. He's too good a player to, to even consider moving him out of that role or moving him somewhere else. But we can't continue the way we're going. Uh, we did a study this week, and we've scored on uh, our drives where we don't have a, a penalty, a bad snap, or a turnover. Uh, we've scored on over 90% of those drives. We've just had far too many. The snaps last week hurt us. Uh, four or five of those when you're only getting 63 plays in a game uh, is about 10% of your offensive snaps, and it puts us behind the eight ball, puts us in third and longs. Cam cares as much as anyone on the team, so he wants to get it fixed, and uh, we'll do whatever we have to to make sure that we're getting it better. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as you heard Scott Frost talking about the snap issues, and we'll get to that in a second here, the segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's. Sports Bar and Grill, get on into Tanner's. They are open, um, socially distant, safe. Go in there and watch Saturday's 11 a.m. Nebraska game and the basketball game as well, Robin. What time do they play on Sunday? Um, it's, an early, it's an early game. Yeah. I think it's it's a, it's an afternoon, like 12 or 1. I've, but that's on TV. Yes, BTN. So get on into Tanner's on Sunday, watch Husker basketball after church, get some lunch. 1, 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Central. Or go in there and watch the Husker game and um, watch, get some wings and beer and a uh, great place. And you were just in there, Robin, watching football. It, it's, 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 a, it's a newly remodeled feel. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely spiced it up with uh, you know, comfortable seating and all that stuff. So good vibe, good vibe in there. All right, well, let's talk snaps. And I wrote this this week, Robin. You can argue Scott Frost's offense at Nebraska has not been the same since the snap issue started week one of 2019 against South Alabama. And you could also argue, well, they also had Stanley Morgan and Divino Zigbo and a very engaged version of J.D. Spielman in 2018. So, you know, was the offensive struggles as much 
about lack of talent on the field in 19, or did the snap issues kind of start the downward spiral? And you can make a case for both, I think. I mean, certainly that was uh, the first glaring issue that we saw that kind of snowballed into everything that we have uh, on the plate today. Uh, you know, just it, it, it seemed like Adrian was never comfortable from literally the first snap of the season, and it never really got better. Uh, and then injuries started to pile up. Adrian got hurt, and then the quarterback carousel happened. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of one thing after another where uh, that was kind of the first domino really to fall as to that regression that we've seen um, that has changed kind of the, the direction of this program. And, you know, you don't want to put that much responsibility on, on just one guy, but that's literally where it starts because it's literally where every play starts. This, if you cannot comfortably snap the football to your quarterback, it throws off everything. It throws off timing. It throws off quarterback confidence. It, it th throws off the quarterback's eyes to where he's looking and, you know, how he's seeing defenses and reading his receivers. And, you know, not to mention the ones that sail over his head for 19-yard losses. It's, I mean, that I don't know how that has not been fixed yet. Uh, you know, it seems like there's one excuse after another where – he's too nervous or he's got a foot injury or this, the opposing team's clapping on the sideline. Whatever it is, it's got to get figured out because as talented as he might be, if he cannot snap the football, he should not be playing center. You're listening here to the Husker online show, and they've made that call, though, Robin, come hell or high water, he's the guy. And Frost has got – when he has a loyalty to a guy, I think we've learned he's going to stick with him. And he's done that. And, you know, quarterback, let's get to that now. I mean, they – They've gone back and forth. I mean, I think Frost benching Martinez for McCaffrey to start the Penn State game, I mean, that was a significant thing. He hasn't done a lot of that over his time at Nebraska, but they went back to Martinez at Iowa. He was 18 of 20, set a school record for completion percentage, and they found out a way to utilize McCaffrey. And I asked Matt Lubeck that this week, and it's really about a feel, you know, and how do you find that feel and Robin, you watch a lot of NFL. I'm sure the Saints, when Taysom Hill and Drew and Drew Brees. I mean, you got to figure out when do you put Taysom Hill in the game. When when is the right moment for those situations? And on a much smaller scale, I think Nebraska's got to figure that out too. I agree because uh, you look at this offense right now; they don't have playmakers, and Luke McCaffrey is the best that you have at just putting the ball in his hands and saying, go make a play. And you see that with him being their best rusher. Uh, that, that quarterback draw play is the only thing that has consistently worked for Nebraska all year long. And a lot of it is just Luke's ability to, to run with the football. And to have that sitting on the sideline outside for a handful of snaps uh, seems counterproductive. You know, obviously you can have Adrian be your guy at quarterback, but you still have to get arguably your best overall offensive playmaker on the field and you have to get him involved i mean you do the same thing with wandale robinson you should be doing the same thing with luke mccaffrey find ways to be creative with this, a talent like that i mean this is a guy that has played wide receiver running back and quarterback and he's a redshirt freshman i mean get that guy on the field and use that versatility to try to provide a spark to an offense that needs all the help it can get and now running back this week robin that's going to be interesting and and they've been really hampered since the first quarter of penn state when they had to go back to the wandell robinson uh deal where they put him back there against penn state and mills got hurt tompkins got hurt Last week, Marvin Scott took a concussion, had to leave the game. It's been a mess. And then Ramir Johnson kind of disappeared. I don't think Ramir Johnson traveled to Northwestern. And he scored a 19-yard touchdown, which was a good play against Iowa last week, putting Nebraska up in that game 2013. Um, so it's kind of like what's the flavor of the week this week at running back? And you hope 
that Mills is back and can give you maybe 20. Because the one thing about this Rutger Purdue defense is they were, you know, they're not going to give up a lot of big plays, but they'll let you nickel and dime them to death. Last week, Rutgers had Johnny Langdon, a basically a H back playing quarterback. He carried the ball on 25 design quarterback runs, and there were 26 of them total in the game. Langdon was in the game 43 snaps, 25 were designed runs, and four were passes. I mean, that sounds pretty familiar to one quarterback on Nebraska's <laughs> roster, what they're going to do. And I would imagine McCaffrey is a little bit more athletic than Johnny Langdon. Yeah, I would assume that. And so, again, more reason to get him involved. But uh, it really goes back to the, the conversation we were having earlier about the importance of not only getting Diedrich Mills back, but getting him into a uh, volume of carries that he can really – make his impact because uh, like I said he, he gets better the more involved he gets and if you're just going to give him you know seven or eight carries he's he, you're going to get what you've gotten so far which is 95 yards on the season uh, so you know ho- hopefully he can become that feature back once again take some of the pressure off those wide receivers or sorry the quarterbacks and the, and the passing game with the receivers uh, and you know f- give some balance to this offense to where it's not the quarterback having to make every single play on every single snap for this offense to move the football. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and you know at receiver this week, Robin. I think it's you know with Marcus Fleming now long gone, and we'll talk more to Brian Munson about the Florida kids leaving. I think things have kind of cleared up there. It's Wandell Robinson. I think Oliver Martin's going to really shove his way up there. Cade Warner, Levi Falk, and Xavier Betts. I mean, I think those are the five primary guys. Am I missing anyone that you can think of after those five? Okay. Um, I, mean, I don't. They, they like. I think. Oh, Hick, Hickman in, in spots. He really hasn't done anything. Wyatt Lever and Wyatt Lever. spots. So yeah, I mean, yeah, the drop off is pretty significant there. So I mean, at least they kind of had identified who their their top group is, and so maybe now those young guys can get the reps needed to you know, not be quote unquote swimming in it anymore and learn the offense and uh, be able to practice at a higher level and then see more snaps on game day. All right. When we come back, we're going to shift the discussion over to defense. You're listening here to the Husker online show. This is Husker online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. If we got to tell them that this might be it, so we need our best effort. We probably got the wrong guys here. Should be your best effort every time you go out there. We don't know what's going to happen. You guys probably know more than I do about Minnesota. I don't care about Minnesota right now. It's just it's it's Purdue for us, and we'll move on to Minnesota the next week. But our guys are just ready to play, and they've been they've been wanting to play every game. And you know it hasn't bounced our way some of the times. But these kids wanted to play football at the beginning of the year, and Coach Frost. You know, obviously fought to get them to play football, and they just want to play every chance they get. And so I'm not, I'm not worried about them thinking this could be their last game, or you know, we might have two more or anything like that. I know whoever we play, whenever we play, they're going to go out there and give it their best shot because they love the game and they just love playing at Nebraska. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska's defensive coordinator Eric Chenander, and I, former Iowa Hawkeye, and he'll be facing off against another former Iowa Hawkeye, a longtime friend of Nebraska football, Bob Diaco. Let's hear from Bob. There's no reasonable reason, considering where the defensive program was at, to believe that they should be able to do everything that needs to be done in the game to to win the game. The strain is spectacular, right? So we can just go back and look at the game. Then you see, do you see the strain? I mean, do you see it? 
or no? Or is it just something that I'm missing? Right? You can't play a game like that and win. Right? So the things that happened in the game create like an impossible circumstance to win. There's no reasonable reason. Thank you, Bob. Uh, that's all we'll hear from you today, but we don't need to hear that one again. I just want to say that if you know that interview, if there's a camera angles that show uh, you in the background, and I just want to give you credit for not even cracking a smile and keeping somehow keeping a straight face during that incoherent rambling and acting like he, what he was saying made any sense. I was in whatsoever. that one, wasn't I? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, so there's a, there's a shot of you, and you, you know, you're giving him like head nods and like, okay, yeah. I, I can see the strain, Bob. <laughs> I w- <laughs> it's an all-timer. Yeah, Bob uh, Bob was an odd guy. I mean, and we'll get to see him at least one more time. He's in the division, and will he be back at Purdue next year? I think that's another question. And it's not like Purdue's defense has played terrible under no. Bob Diaco, but they have, they've only had one sack and one turnover force in three games. Sounds familiar. So it's it's a very bend but don't break, keep it in front of you don't rush the pass or don't force turnover scheme. It's basically Northwestern's defense without forcing turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. With, without the quality of linebackers or anything like that. And to their credit, you know, they, they've lost some players, you know, with, with COVID and to injury and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, they're right in the middle of the pack in most defensive categories. I mean, they're not terrible. They're not great, but you know, as we learned here at Nebraska, Bob Diaco's coaching style and just his mannerisms and his whole presentation, it can wear you out. I mean, like, uh, there's the that that clip, and then there's one, I can't remember if it was after Wisconsin or whatever, where they asked him about the defense or, like, they, how they got blown out in that game. And he's like, these guys are all beautiful sons and uncles and cousins and fathers. And it's like, what are you talking about? And so, like, that kind of stuff, when you're not having a high level of success – you know, it makes it difficult to buy into that sort of stuff, especially. It's just fake. Yeah, especially, I mean, you just kind of look at them like, what are you even saying right now? And so when you're not playing at the level like they were at Notre Dame, that shtick doesn't quite hit home the way it, uh, you know, he probably hopes it would. I mean, he was just a fish out of water. He's the kind of guy, like when he'd go out with a group of coaches and they all get like a bush light, he'd get a glass of wine. <laughs> I mean, and that's actually a fact. I, I asked one of the old staff members, I go like, have you ever seen like Coach Diaco just kind of let loose and. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we were on a recruiting trip out west, and one of his buddies came, and he got a glass of wine. I mean, that, that, I mean, I'm sorry, that just doesn't really fit here. Like we saw him at the pool at our pool in the summer, and he's wearing like white linen pants with a cigar poolside. Well, Nate's picture of him on firing day, where he's walking in there with argyle, the, the argyle sweater, and the, probably the eight hundred dollar sunglasses. Well, and that's what that's that's a five hundred dollar sweater he's wearing. Like nothing that guy wore. Was yeah. like that, that. That will forever be my my lasting image of Bob Diaco is he, hearing him say, "Do you feel the strain wearing that sweater with those sunglasses?" He's the kind of guy that buys like thirty dollars pairs of socks. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, he's he's probably got two hundred dollars jeans, you know, Italian loafers and all that stuff. I mean, like you said, he's the guy that wears linen pants to the pool. So we'll see. Uh, well, you know why? Because he wants to hide that Iowa Hawkeye tattoo. Yeah. He never wears shorts. The the Shenan- I don't think Shenander has the Hawkeye tattoo. I don't believe so. That was like a eighties, late eighties, early nineties Nebraska or Iowa Hawkeye deal. Bob Stoops has it. Bielma has it. Diaco apparently has it. But all these dudes that played in that era all got like the Cyhawk on their on their calf or their leg. And that's why he never wore shorts. Mm-hmm. 
or he would wear shorts with high socks, maybe. Yeah, I, I think he always wore sweatpants. He would wear t-shirts, but it was not only just uh, sweatpants. He'd wear long sleeves too, and he would tuck his shirt into his sweatpants and hike them up and have his play card. You didn't want to show that pants. tattoo. Yeah, so anyway, but yeah, the, the defense for Nebraska this week. Let's get on. We only got yeah. a few minutes left here, but it was fun <laughs> to have our Diaco discussion. But the defense here for Nebraska. I thought it was encouraging what they did against Iowa, but I'll say this. Purdue's got a better offense in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got two NFL receivers, Rondell Moore. David Bell. David Bell. And I think their they're running back, um, Xander Horvath, he's he's like an NFL H-back-ish type guy, and he's 6'3", 230. He'll give them problems. Mm-hmm. And Jack Plummer will start at quarterback because Aiden O'Connell has COVID. But Plummer's played well. He's 6'5", he's slippery, he's mobile. He played against Nebraska Beat last Nebraska year. Nebraska once. Well, no, O'Connell came in and won. Oh, that's right. O'Connell, he got hurt. I got him mixed up. But So I'm, this is a big matchup. I mean, I, I think Nebraska's going to get tested with those two receivers and that running back, Horvath, because he'll keep them on schedule. Yeah, and so when you have to worry about a physical running game like that where Purdue's just going to hammer Nebraska, and I'll, I, I predict Nebraska's going to be able to hold its own, but – Will it be able to be focused enough on the back end to not let those players get one-on-one matchups? Because if those guys get one-on-ones, you know, as, as well as Nebraska's corners have played at times, uh, that's a, a matchup that you know Bell's going to win more often than not. And if Ron, Rondale gets the ball in space, you know, he is difficult for for anybody. First-round draft picks at Ohio State to tackle, so uh, they have to be. I mean, they always want to say sound assignment uh, and all that stuff, reading your keys and having you know the the right eyes. That all, all those cliches are going to be paramount this week because if that those safeties start creeping up and try to help out in the run, Purdue is more than capable of taking shots deep that can change the game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and you know I, I think Nebraska too this week uh, the line of scrimmage can they win again up front? I thought they did win against Iowa. How about uh, Damian Daniel or Damian Daniels? Forty four snaps in that game. Uh, the most he'd ever played in a game before was 32 a year ago, and he's normally like 20 to 25. So he got a lot of mileage. He had one of his more productive games. Mm-hmm. Casey Rogers had a good game. Ben Stilley had a solid game. Robinson, um, they need more production again from that group. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, going to be the defining point because if you can take away that run game and make Jack Plummer have to drop back and, and beat you with his arm, as good as Purdue's receivers are, I like your chances there. But when he's going to be most effective is uh, if, like you said, drives stay on schedule with those runs and you can take your play-action pop shots down the down the field. So, uh, yeah, the, front, the defensive front seven has to answer the call physically, and they have to do so uh, over the course of the full game. And seeing progression by guys like Damian Daniels, is, you know, you want to try to find bright spots this season. That defensive line and the young guys that have, that have really answered the call week in, week out has to rank right up at the top. And I think, Robin, we're going to get a higher scoring game in the, in the 30s on both sides. I mean, I think it's going to be a low 30s game, like a 34-30, 31-30. I mean, a very close game. I'm picking Nebraska and a nail-biter to win um, because I think they're getting Purdue at the right time. Yeah, I did too. And Nebraska's got a lot of issues. They got their, their own messes they got to figure out. But Purdue is, <laughs> you know, they're kind of a mess themselves right now. As we talked about, you know, I – I just don't know what the buy-in factor right now is with with what Diaco's doing defensively, and if they can, Nebraska's offense can pick up where it left off and and take it that next step from what Adrian Martinez that passing game was able to do against Iowa. There's going to be opportunities to put up some points, put up some yards, and maybe that can finally be the starting point to get this offense humming again. All right, we're going to hear more about Purdue. We're going to be joined by GoldenBlack.com's Tom Deanhart. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show as Nebraska getting ready to make their last scheduled road trip here of the season out to West Lafayette, Indiana. And I'm joined here by a longtime friend and colleague uh, of both Rivals.com and now covers Purdue uh, for Gold and Black, uh, Tom Deanhart. Tom, thank you very much for joining me here. Uh, I know it's been a wacky season, um, <laughs> and, and you guys are right in the middle of it. You guys had a tough one to Rutgers last week. Yeah, tough loss, Sean. Boy, an unexpected loss. A very dispiriting loss, too, my friend. Um, the fans, I'll say, are a little disillusioned at this point. Uh, year four of the Jeff Brom era has not unfolding like people anticipated. This is three losses in a row, my friend. And here comes Nebraska, right? A team that the fan base probably thinks is a game they should win, but as you know, and your listeners know, the Huskers are playing good football right now. So if Purdue's going to win, it's going to take a big, big task. Yeah, Tom, Nebraska is a team that's one and um, one and four right now, and easily could be you know three and I mean they, they easily could be a one loss team, a three and two team. I mean they, they they've played other than the Illinois game and the Ohio State game, but they, they've they've had a lot of close games, so they're a very hard team to read. And I feel like that's 2020 in a nutshell. Michigan State's a hard team to read. Michigan's a hard – I mean, Penn State. I, I feel like other than Ohio State, this has been a very difficult conference where experts are having, obviously, a very hard time predicting what this league's supposed to look like. Yeah, I thought Northwestern was kind of a team we could count on, Sean. But obviously, you saw what happened in East Lansing this weekend, so you're right. Tumult has pretty much racked every team in this conference – except for Ohio State, like you mentioned. And, and again, for Purdue, uh, boy, uh, you know, you talked about close games for Nebraska. Purdue's five games, Sean, have been decided by a combined 28 points. And as you know, when you're involved in a lot of close games, you got to do all the little things right. And Purdue did those things the first two weeks when they beat Iowa and Illinois, but they've had breakdowns in every phase of the game the last three games, and that's a big reason why, again, they're staring at a three-game losing streak with their season very much at a crossroads. We're joined by Tom Deanhart here of Golden Black as we talk Purdue, Nebraska. It's a 11 a.m. Central time kick on the Big Ten Network on Saturday, Tom, and you guys inherited a, a familiar face to Nebraska fans this year and Bob Diaco as the new defensive coordinator. Has Bob Diaco mania caught on in West Lafayette yet? Sean, we don't know. He doesn't talk to us. Um, <laughs> we spoke to Coach Diaco once in the spring, and we spoke to him right before the season started, and that's been it. You know, we're, what, five, six weeks deep into the year, and, and Coach Diaco's not made available to the media. So it's kind of a man of mystery. Um, I will say this, his defense, the last two games at Minnesota against Rutgers last week, coming under a lot of criticism, Sean, a lot of scrutiny. I know there's some personnel issues for Purdue's defense, but everybody's got personnel issues. This defense has been unable to get off the field on third down, number one. Number two, it's got one turnover the last three games, Sean. Number three, it's got one sack the last three games. So um, just just not performing, and it really all came crashing down in that 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 fiasco of a loss to the Scarlet Knights on Saturday. So you repeat that again, one forced turnover in three games and one total sack over the last three games? 
I know it's hard to believe, Sean. It started with the, the Northwestern game, Sean. They had a turnover in that game. They generated a takeaway. No takeaway at Minnesota. No takeaway against Rutgers. As far as the sacks go, no sacks against Northwestern or Minnesota. They got one sack against Rutgers, which resulted in a safety. So that's exactly right. Uh, turnovers are lacking, and the sacks are lacking. And, and as you know, Sean, their best pass rusher, George Karloftis, will not be playing Saturday. He's out until that crossover game at the earliest after being uh, diagnosed with COVID-19 last Tuesday. Wow. And then, you know, Tom, Rondell Moore, obviously, two years ago, was a household name in college football. Last year, uh, kind of got knocked off his horse, battled some injuries, never really got a full uh, taste of Rondell, and then declared for the NFL, decides to come back, and then really never came back until just recently. And we saw him on camera read a statement before not taking questions from reporters. Just from the 10,000-foot view of this from Lincoln, Nebraska, it doesn't seem like it's been a very smooth <laughs> uh, road with Rondell Moore here in 2020. I think your read is, is pretty spot on, Sean. There was some Rondell Moore fatigue, I think, that had set in among the fan base here. It became a lot of weekly drama. Will he play? Will he not play? There was a lack of transparency, a lack of information, Sean. Nobody was quite sure why Rondell Moore wasn't playing. And then you spoke of that statement he made after the Minnesota game, out of the blue. And uh, again, like Bob Diaco, Sean, Rondell Moore, that's the only time he's spoken in the media in 2020. And as you know, Sean, he took no questions when he spoke after the Minnesota game. So there's that. On the field, there's no denying his talent. We all know about it. But I will tell you this, buddy. There's been a lack of big plays from this offense. And I think the hope was when Moore got back on board, there would be some more big plays. But um, they just haven't been there, Sean. And uh, this offense needs more explosive chunk plays if it wants to succeed. Yeah, and something tells me December outdoor football on grass in West Lafayette doesn't probably feature Rondell Moore as well as maybe some early season non-conference games and just you know better, better weather conditions like we're used to seeing. Uh, yeah, you're right. But I tell you what, if Purdue's going to meet Nebraska and have success here down the road, the offense is going to have to win these ball games because I don't think the defense is going to be able to win many of these ball games down the stretch. So, yeah, the, the weather conditions aren't going to be great. The, the field, as you said, in the Midwest here can get kind of murky and mucky. But, uh, again, Purdue's going to have to live and die with this offense down the stretch. We're joined here by Tom Deanhart as we get you ready uh, for Saturday's Nebraska uh, game. And, and when you look at this game against the Huskers, what jumps out to you? I mean, what really worries you about the matchup when you're going into this game on on Saturday? One's an intangible, Sean. Uh, Nebraska's playing better. You talked about it at the top of this this broadcast. Um, could have beaten Iowa. It did beat Penn State. The team still seems to be buying in and getting better as the season goes along. Conversely, Sean, I think that's the opposite for Purdue. Um, they seem to be uh, sort of on the decline if you will. Uh, so th I think that's something that worries me if you're a Purdue fan. And also, I'll tell you what, that running ability of the quarterbacks that you talked about um, between Adrian Martinez and, and, and McCaffrey, Sean, I mean, that's going to pose a big problem for this Purdue defense. Rutgers quarterbacks did a great job running the ball on Purdue. Coran Taylor did it of Illinois as well. Peyton Ramsey of, of Northwestern. So again, uh, that's going to be a dynamic for this Purdue defense. It could be a real problem 
on Saturday afternoon. On the flip side, though, guys like David Bell, I mean, what kind of season are some of the big names having for Purdue right now? Yeah, David Bell's a special player, a good kid off the field, a tremendous wide receiver. Always, Sean makes the the spectacular look routine. A money player who comes up with big catches time and again. And again, Rondell Moore is Rondell Moore. You got to always respect that skill set. You have an emerging tight end in Payne Durham who's becoming more and more of a threat with each passing week, too. And keep your eye on number 40, Purdue's running back, Xander Horvath, a former walk on, uh, just a, a guy Nebraska fans could probably appreciate. Great hands out of the backfield, runs hard, runs tough. For all the publicity, David Bell and Rondell Moore get Sean, Xander Horvath. It's probably every big, every bit of a big playmaker and key component in this offense in those two. And before, Tom, I get to your prediction on this game, I know you're not just a Purdue guy, but you're a Big Ten guy. You know this league really well. What's, just gauge what's going I mean, do you envision coaching things happening as far as movements? Obviously, there's a lot of chatter about Jim Harbaugh and, and you know other names in this league. Uh, what's your read on the coaching carousel right now in the Big Ten conference here as we head down the home stretch? Yeah, I think Harbaugh, if there is any change in the Big Ten, that would seemingly be the only change, right? I, I just think the finances at these schools is going to make making the change prohibitive. The optics wouldn't look good. And again, finance, the hem of these schools are going to be in position to ask a donor to pony up money that's going to be needed for some of these buyouts. A lot of people thought maybe Levy Smith at Illinois would be a guy who could be uh, out the door there, but he may have saved his job. And again, Financially, I don't think Illinois could have afforded to get rid of him anyway. Well, and, and Lovey, it would be, be Michigan, I think, would be the only change. And Lovey gets the win against Nebraska and has his game against Ohio State canceled. So it was kind of a win win. I mean, he's got momentum now for a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's got the Northwestern at the end of the year. I know that. So, uh, yeah, he's probably done enough to appease the fan base. And, and again, I think the Harbaugh Michigan marriage seems like it's run its course. He has one year left on his contract. You talk to everybody there, and they seem to be finished with them. Wonder how much Harbaugh still wants to stay there. So maybe it's best if both parties go their separate ways. And finally, Tom, what's your prediction and breakdown for this one on Saturday? I think I'm like you, Sean. I mean, I think this is a game Nebraska's probably going to win. And I think a big key here for Nebraska would be if they can jump on Purdue early, punch them in the nose, create some adversity, create some doubt, Give them the, oh, here we go again. And uh, that that could really be a, a, a thing that does in this Boilermaker team, Sean, that has shown that it does not handle adversity well. So, again, I think the Huskers in the end with those running quarterbacks are going to be able to control the ball, control the clock, keep that ball away from Purdue's offense for extended stretches like we saw Rutgers do this last Saturday. Well, Tom, thanks again for joining us here. I look forward to getting a chance to catch up with you in West Lafayette on Saturday. Always always good, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, much more to come. We'll close the show with some recruiting talk. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, this has been a tough year, too, like I said. You know, kids can't go to the mall right now. They can't be around other students. Um, I compliment our players for being really disciplined. We haven't had COVID issues, so they've been doing things the right way. And one of the biggest selling points of this place is, is playing in front of a sea of red. And we haven't even had an opportunity to do that. So it's it's been a tough year, but it starts with us making sure we get the right kids. Uh, I also think in this day and age, there's a little more impatience. 
I was fairly high, highly ranked guy coming out of high school. I didn't play till my fourth year of college. That that's not unusual. Still worked out pretty well. Uh, but but a lot of kids now, if it if it's not working immediately, get impatient, and we we try to teach our guys patience as far as that and resilience as far as that goes too. And we're back here on the Husker Line Show, final segment of the show. As you heard, head coach Scott Frost is really talking about the, the recruiting process and. Uh, their approach with guys, as as we all know, we talked about it earlier in the show, five Florida recruits from 2020 have left. And joining us now to talk recruiting, uh, filling in for Nate Klaus here this week on the Husker Online Show, Husker Online's own Brian Munson. And Brian, um, it, it, it's been a ride. I mean, you covered this 2020 class from the onset. Did you see anything at all that would have led you to believe we could see five of these Florida kids gone before Christmas in Lincoln? No, I mean, that's, <clears throat> it's extraordinary. Um, obviously, it's a, it was a very talented group that they put together in that 2020 class, you know, high, you know, high, uh, headlined by Keyshawn Green, I think was probably the guy that I would have said, probably was that one player out of the Florida class that, that seemed like he would have been an impact guy, but was obviously one of the first ones to leave, the latest ones being Delancey, and of course, uh, the news today with Marcus Fleming uh, no longer being around with the team. I personally did not see this coming. I felt like obviously there were maybe a couple of indicators, you know, when it came to signing day last year uh, and having to wait on Jaden Francois, um, you know, but the, Henry Gray getting in when he get, got in and, and him committing and decommitting, I, I really didn't see that all of this kind of happening. I mean, Honestly, I mean, you still had we had seven total guys in the 2020 class. You still have Marvin Scott. You still have Tatum Lineham. Um, I, I think Marvin Scott still is going to be probably one of the better ones that would have come out of that entire group in the in, in the first place. But you lose all of that talent, and uh, it's just it's very difficult because it's obviously where Coach Fisher has his uh, has his pipeline too, and a lot of play you know where he spent a lot of time trying to go ahead and get guys. I'll say this, Brian, when you mentioned those five names, correct me if I'm wrong, but Henry Gray was the only one that was a longtime recruit for Nebraska. The others were really late ads. I'm not even sure all of them took their visits to Lincoln or spent any time in Lincoln at that point. And I think if we're learning anything, if you're taking a kid from South Florida and bringing him into Nebraska that late in the game and they're not familiar with what they're walking into, it's a huge gamble. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't see and Gray were about the same time frame. I think a week or two in difference. But otherwise, you're talking about guys that they were taking their official visits in November or later. And I, I agree with you completely. Uh, you you start cutting into this time frame where you, you just you're 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 playing you're you're playing some unknowns. You're playing some unknowns about the kid. You're playing some unknowns, obviously, that you're trying to sell to the player. Uh, this year it's even more complicated, right? Because you have the COVID thing that's kind of hanging out there over your head. So you're, you're having these virtual visits and you're having to base everything on the unknown and what you can do virtually to kind of sell everything. But I, I think when it comes to this Florida group, this is a huge wake-up call. I think somebody put it best on when it came to the board. What is the bigger failure for Nebraska? Is it Calabrasco or Florabrasco? I, I'd say right now at this moment, it's it's tough to kind of decide. I, I would say that losing these five guys in the 2020 class, because I think 2020 class is still going to be a big hit, mainly because of 
the offensive line guys that, that I think are going to be immediate contributors or, or place them uh, immediately here in the next year or two. I think that those guys are going to help out with putting this class over the top, but losing these five guys out of that class definitely takes some shine and luster off the class overall. And Brian, you offer some unique perspective. Number one, you played college football years ago at Kearney, but you've got a son that played high school ball in Dallas that moved to Nebraska to play college ball this year as a freshman at UNK. And they're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic there. And they, they're not, they've only played, they only got to play a couple of games this year at UNK. That's I mean, right. just from when you talk to your son and freshman that came into a place like Nebraska from out of state, what are some of the things you hear from him that some of these kids are dealing with when you literally cut off the entire social scene for the most part for these kids that maybe mm-hmm. move from out of state to Nebraska? Yeah, it's, it's tough because a lot of the kids, of course, that he, he did catch up with and that he's, you know, that become friends with. Obviously, UNK has a huge recruiting presence into into Colorado. Um, not so much either into into Lincoln or Omaha, despite the fact that, of course, one of the few Lincoln uh, players are, is his roommate out of Lincoln Southwest. Um, it's it's difficult because uh, they have to bubble up. They had to bubble up even since the summer when he arrived on campus in July. They were, you know, subject to monitoring systems. They had that uh, little kind of uh, head reader for temperature as soon as they walked into the facility. Social distancing was a huge concern. Um, But then they also had, you know, these situations where the discipline, and Scott Frost kind of mentioned it there in, in the intro bit, where these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're 18, 19, 21, 22 year old kids. And, and what they've got to do, the sacrifices that they have to make to basically stay eligible and not get, not get sick and, and not have these, the, the contact, you know, with a, with a person that even potentially has come in contact with another person, not even to say that they've been positive. It requires a lot of discipline. Uh, and, and obviously they're going through a, a very rigorous amount of kind of getting tested. My son, even more so than others, because obviously he got hurt and he's had to take, you know, a number of COVID tests that he said were obviously very, very uncomfortable for him to have to go ahead and do. And, uh, it's, it, it just, it says a lot about a kid right now that wants to play the game of football with what, what it is they're having to deal with over and over and over again. We're talking here to Brian Munson. Now let's shift over, Brian, to this 2021 recruiting class. Uh, Nebraska appeared to kind of mutually part ways with Ladarius Webb this week. Not a huge surprise considering uh, Nate Klaus had internal talk uh, here on Husker Line a couple weeks back that correspondence between Webb and the staff had almost been cut off for the entire season. I, I guess, you know, for, from my perspective, um, and I think that maybe what we're kind of getting back to, it seemed – it, it looked like a bit of a, of, of, a, of a reach, and I don't think necessarily that people are going to go ahead and look at the film and, and say, oh, this was a total reach and whatever. I thought there were a couple bright spots there, obviously, on Webb's film. But it, I think what it really comes down to is that you didn't have to make this move, in my opinion, when it came to this class. I, I think when you still look at this group and you, and you have you know, a, a Malik Williams that's in there that, that's that – kind of longer cornerback and you you just didn't feel, you know, and, and, and Marcus Buford that's obviously in there as well. You just don't have a a huge overwhelming 
need to kind of go ahead and get another corner for the sake of, of, of taking another corner. And, and, and I think Kobe Bretz is clearly going to be that, that safety guy that's going to play the, the safety position uh, in, in Lincoln. But, I mean, you start looking at Malik and you start looking at Buford, very similar in size, 5'11", 6 foot, longer arms, going to play a lot taller, you know, but guys that I think that can play either to the field or to the boundary, very skilled guys. Um, and obviously I think that, you know, you start talking about guys that are coming out of Buford, Georgia. We of course know quite a bit about that already with, with Ronald Tompkins. Uh, he's not the only guy in the class, of course, from Buford, Georgia. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Gabe Irvin, the running back also being there from the, from the, from the state of Georgia. I think that this is, this is what it comes down to is just not, the, not having a need. There's obviously the potential for an Avanti Dickerson rumor or two to kind of get flared up again right here as well. And, and I think that that's probably – there probably is still is some smoke there when it comes to that situation. I'm sure Nebraska hasn't put that one away. Put that one away. Um, but I, I don't think necessarily that there was a need to have another guy like Webb in the class. Well, lots to follow here as – Brian, can't believe it, but we are less than three weeks away – from signing day and it will be here before we know it so thank you very much brian for taking some time out here with us today that sounds great thank you so much buddy all right much more to come as we'll have full coverage from west lafayette uh with nebraska and purdue this weekend robin will have you covered on basketball and brian and nate and mike and the team will have you covered on everything you need to know with recruiting thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics 